Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There's so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Welcome to another Wednesday and another podcast. This week, I want to cover a subject that's actually been a request. (laughs) I absolutely love that you guys are leaving comments and sending me emails and DMs on Instagram. It really warms my heart. And I love this community so much that I already feel as though I should talk about some of these things. So some of these subjects that are being requested. So today, the podcast is going to be about fitness And more specifically, what my fitness regime is all about and how I stay disciplined with it. Now, the discipline part is the key word here. I do promise that I'm going to share a big secret regarding this later on because there is one thing specifically that I do every day that keeps me motivated and it's so easy to do. So I'm going to be giving you my number one fitness tip. First, I want to give you a bit of a background on my fitness evolution over the years. Some of you already know this already, but over the span of about eight years or so, I evolved from being a fit to fat to fit person. And I want to explain to you how I learned this big secret to my success in fitness (laughs) and, you know, the long road that I traveled in order to find my fit right now. So. It does seem appropriate that I'm sitting here today mega sore. (laughs) It's been so long since I've trained in a gym. And for the past like month and a half or so, I've been working with a personal trainer. You guys might have seen him on my Instagram stories. His name's Matthew. And I swear to God that I'm sore like every single day. It's crazy. It's like a super good sore because... I'm working my ass off, but I'm just like, Brig, marathon training at this level is killer. (laughs) And Max told me several times, like, don't worry, soon you're not going to be that sore after your workout, blah, 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 blah. But I'm literally, literally just like waiting and waiting and waiting for that day. Anyways, at the moment, like I said, I am training for a marathon. It's the Philadelphia Marathon this, uh, this coming November 19th. So it's like basically a week and a half away. Oh my God. And I'm working with Matt so that I can reach some of my running goals, specifically to be super fast and not get injured. So the last couple of weeks have been uh, super challenging with the heavy lifting and the long runs and all that jazz, everything that comes with uh, a marathon training program. So anyways, I'm sitting here today sore. The bottom line is I am actually sore (laughs) and it's perfect. So let's talk about fitness. fitness. I don't know. Or should I say health and fitness? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I want to add a little disclaimer here before I start that this entire podcast is coming from my perspective, obviously, as always, from my experiences working with professional trainers, coaches and psychologists over the years. And this is this is my take on it. 
I am also trained in high performance, um, in high performance sport as a high performance coach. So my opinion does include what I've learned and, and seen over the years in the fitness world. And I'm not about to get into a massive argument with people over this and their beliefs on fitness. <laughs> or, well, maybe I will later on in this podcast. But now my goal for this podcast is, is to hopefully give a different perspective on fitness, on being fit. Uh, I really hope that this message will inspire you to move or get moving or think about moving from from a new place. Essentially, I want to share with you how fitness has evolved in my life, okay? So that brings me to, to that word, fitness. It's kind of an interesting word. And why? Well, it's because these days I feel that so many people equate being fit to being healthy. And I'm just not sure that I agree with that. So what I mean by that is... is is, is when you see a person who looks fit, you assume that they're also healthy. <laughs> and when you see, you know, people in the gym or running or playing sports, you assume that that, that makes them healthy. And in many ways it does, but that's why I think fitness is an interesting word. So, so what is being fit? What does it mean to be fit? There, there are so many stereotypes, social pressures, body image issues, expectations, and controversy over this subject. And, you know, right now, I, I want you all to just take five seconds here and think about your idea of health and fitness. Okay, so what do you believe this looks like? And how does it resonate with you? What kind of feelings and emotions do you get with this subject? And then lastly, do you believe you're a fit person? Now, just to be clear, there are like no right or wrong answers here. I'm I'm not trying to judge you on what you think. Um, like you're allowed your very own opinion on this subject. I don't want to challenge you on your beliefs about health and fitness. In fact, I'm. it's the opposite. Like I actually want to support you. So I'll tell you what I think. When, when I think about fitness and being fit, I equate it to exercising regularly, um, taking excellent care of my body, uh, providing it with what it needs to thrive and live a long and happy life. Fitness to me now, and I say now because it's evolved, um, means to love my body and give life to my muscles, especially my heart. Um, and it's to make my blood flow get sweaty you know, make time to move in a way that I love to move. The health side of it fills all the spaces in between. And I'll explain that a little bit more later, but the health side is the time spent between the fitness. So there are different types of fit. I know that there are many different types of fit. For example, a long distance marathon runner needs different things than like an Olympic gymnast or an NFL linebacker. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about professional sports here, but then there's also, you know, that recreational soccer player or someone who does yoga. Any and all movement increases your body's fitness level. Now, my definition of fitness has definitely morphed and evolved over the years, and I'll tell you why. So growing up, <laughs> I always felt that fit people went to the gym and did 
Jane Fonda workout tapes at home. <laughs> oh my gosh. In other words, like fitness was either lifting heavy weights or doing aerobics in your living room. <laughs> like I grew up in the 90s and I swear to God, every single person I knew had at least one Jane Fonda VHS tape, right? I know there's some 90s teenagers here, <laughs> but then when I got into the world of high performance sport, it was like a completely different ball game. Okay, so here's a funny story. When I made Team Canada, so so I was on the national freestyle ski team for moguls. I was one of the best mogul skiers in the country just at the beginning of my professional ski career. And when asked about my workout regime, I actually told my coaches at the time that I was I was really fit. I worked out all the time to Jane Fonda. <laughs> And they basically laughed at me for like 15 years. <laughs> I swear to God, this story actually still comes up like 20 years later. <laughs> now, I'm in no way making fun of workout tapes or workout classes. In fact, I think the complete opposite. I love them. I think you can develop an amazing at-home program with this. And if it's something that you love to do, then I'm all for it. I, I just sort of wanted to outline how small my the box was. For this in regards to working out. So, so I made Team Canada and I became an elite high performance athlete. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with freestyle mogul skiing, it's the sport where you ski the bumps and hit the jumps. It's, it's timed and judged and requires a shitload of technical skill and strength and acrobatics and, and guts, I guess. So, so yeah, I was the one hitting the jumps, flipping and twisting in the air while skiing as fast as I could and looking perfect. <laughs> this, this means that, you know, I went from 60 minutes of Jane Fonda, maybe three to four times a week to an average of 30 hours or more a week of intense training. Most of it was, most of it, excuse me, was, was sports specific, meaning that I'd be on my actual skis in the moguls, hiking jumps or skiing full competition style runs. The other part of it was in the gym. So we hit the gym so hard. And back when I was on the team, and I say this because the belief about strength and conditioning for this sport um, has also evolved. But back when I was on the team, it was all about being super strong, big muscles, heavy lifting. The goal was to squat three times your body weight. So at the time I, I was five, seven, I mean, I'm still five, seven now, <laughs> but, um, at the time I was five, seven and about 150 to 155 pounds. And that meant that my max squat goal was over 450 pounds. <laughs> like, jeez, Louise. So I, I pushed my body. I did all the workouts and got super strong and bulky. I mean, I built my muscle mass in my butt and thighs so fast from all the squats and lunges and skiing that I developed these massive stretch marks everywhere. Oh my God, like, I'm so glad those all disappeared because, man, it was actually crazy. Um, we also worked our energy systems. We pounded our aerobic and anaerobic systems. It was like the intensity of the program is what I want to stress here. And this might sound obvious, but World Cup level athletes are made to train at a completely different level. And that's just what it is. Like it's all part of being an athlete. It's it's part of the job of being an athlete. 
and I'm not complaining about this whatsoever. It, it, it's just what we had to do to be the best. Okay. In fact, most of the time I loved every second of the training and I loved how powerful and strong my body became. It was awesome. (laughs) Most of the time I felt amazing. Um, and I'm sure that anyone listening to this right now who has a regular fitness regime, you can feel the benefits in your body. So you know what I'm talking about and it, it's great. It's amazing. But then there were like the really hard, like really fucking hard sessions where we'd be pushed until we barfed, until failure. Like I remember this one workout. We were in Switzerland and we were all super dead from the travel and the altitude. Um... And we were made to do these hill sprints and then do this like trail parkour course at like max speed. And the parkour course is like this obstacle course. And it was this obstacle course within the mountains, like in the trails of the mountains. And it took us like over two hours. I I puked like two to three times. It was brutal. But that's how you get to be the best. So I just I just did it. So I endured these hard, hard workouts because I wanted to be the best ever. (laughs) Anyways, we would also do fitness testing at least twice a year. And I swear that was like one of the things I cared about the most. It might have been like all I cared about. I'm I'm naturally competitive. (laughs) I just wanted to be the strongest person in the world of skiing. You know, and, and maybe it was because I knew I was never the fastest, like fast muscle, explosive muscle, that that was not my strength. My strength was my strength and also my acrobatic skill set. But yeah, so I wanted to win fitness testing. Needless to say, based on my performance and fitness testing, I was pretty friggin' fit when I skied for Canada. Uh, we were super regimented. I worked with Olympic level trainers, always had a focused program targeting a variety of weaknesses you know, there was general strength and conditioning. And then, of course, like plyometrics and other quick muscle fiber developing exercises. So during this time in my life, I was burning so many calories every single day. But like it literally did not matter what I ate. And maybe this is when I started developing some of my bad eating habits because I ate everything. <laughs> McDonald's all the time, fast food, all the easy and quick processed stuff. Like, I think I went through this period where I'm pretty sure I ate like five granola bars, chocolate bars, or like those sports bars every day, at least five. I would eat like, you know, processed cheese slices like they were going out of style, ice cream every day, chips, french fries, nachos. Again, all the easy stuff, high sugar, high carb, fast, fill me up right this second because I'm starving and I need to eat kind of food. (laughs) My, my favorite thing to eat was, and oh my God, this is crazy. Okay. I would take like four or five slices of white Texas toast bread and lather on the butter. Uh, then, then I'd put like a cheese slice on each piece of bread, stack them up and then cut the crusts off. Like we're talking like four or five slices all stacked up. And then I would take my hands and like cram, smush it all together and make like this giant bread softball and like squish it all together. And then I would take a bite out of it like it was like a bread apple. 
It was this delicious bread, butter, cheese, apple. Oh my God. And I did this all the time. <laughs> it was like my favorite snack. And I would eat this with essentially zero consequence to my physical form. Like at least that I was aware of. Zero consequence that I was aware of. <laughs> but going back to what I said, what I said earlier, is this healthy? Was I healthy? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I was kind of quote unquote young and dumb and I thought I was an invincible and I had very little awareness of what these types of food were actually doing to my body. Like here I was one of the best mogul skiers in the world and that's what I ate. Like my Lord. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I promise I'm gonna do a podcast on food, on my food addictions at some point here. But for now, I'll just say that looking back, at the time, I did not equate living a healthy lifestyle and fitness together. Like, it didn't really line up. Like, I believed that what I was doing in the spaces between the fitness was appropriate. And that I was living a super healthy lifestyle just because I was this high-performance athlete. Now, I 100% believed that I was not fueling my body correctly, nor was I necessarily healthy. It just appeared that way. Like my body looked healthy or something like that. <laughs> like I remember friends and family would always comment on my body. You're so fit. You're the healthiest person I know. Those types of things. And I remember thinking at the time, like, am I? So I think maybe there was a small part of me that always knew that I wasn't making the best choices. But I was in full denial. Anyways, after, you know, eight years of intense physical training and heavy, heavy weights and pounding my body day in and day out. I finally retired from, from the sport. And at this time, I actually made a vow to myself. And I remember this vow because I was working out so hard. It like working out became the bane of my existence. It was the intensity that I trained at for so long that was something that I grew to dislike immensely. <laughs> Basically, I sent my letter of retirement to Freestyle Canada and woke up the next day smiling, think, thinking to myself, I'm never doing another squat again, ever. That was my vow. I'm never doing another squat again in my life. <laughs> this is because I, I hate, hate, hate going to the gym. It's, it's the worst for me. I never liked it when I was on the team for eight years. I just did it because I had to. So... So leaving the team was basically a green light for me to never step foot into a gym ever, 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 ever again. So from like 2006 to 2009, I guess, I didn't do one workout, like pretty much not even one. It was like four years or so of no fitness. I was coaching at this point and I would go to the gym with the team as a coach but I never lifted a weight. It was it was weird because during that time I had gained a lot of weight, which I'll talk about at another, at another time. But basically, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of the photos that I've posted when I weighed over 225 pounds. And remember, I'm 5'7". So like my body mass index, um, and for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, like body mass index or BMI is basically this calculation of the body mass divided by your height and the number 
that you get, it essentially quantifies the amount of, of tissue mass, like muscle, fat, and bone in a person. So, so my BMI at this point was in the obese category. So mathematically, scientifically, I was obese. Okay, so I went from this high-performance person working out 30 hours a week to an obese person working out zero hours a week. <laughs> like, holy shit. The worst part is that, like, my brain still considered me a high-performance athlete. Like, I actually thought I was still fit at this weight doing nothing. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> like, I was, I was not working out. I was very overweight, and I thought I was fit. I thought I was still fit. I also thought I was healthy. Like, denial is extremely powerful. Like, wow. I, I, I wasn't even able to recognize how out of shape I had become. This thought still amazes me. It, it totally amazes me. Like, wow. Anyways, moving on. Um, after about, you know, four years of living like this, I realized that I, need to, I needed to absolutely make some change. So, so I did. <laughs> I mean, I did start to work out. And the first time that I broke my vow was when I decided, um, it was like an impulse decision, to walk into a fitness club and talk to a personal trainer. I literally lasted 15 minutes in there and I was like, hell no, I'm not doing this again, bye. (laughs) So plan B was to work out um, a bit more with the team that I was coaching, so with the athletes. And around this time, I was also being influenced by this other super fit coach that I worked with and he was great with motivating me and we would do like these binge workouts and by binge workouts what I mean is that when I was away traveling with the team or for camps or competitions I would I would work out but then when I went home I did nothing again <laughs> like I did however start to lose a bit of weight and gain a bit of muscle and confidence and my body was changing but I still hated going to the gym it was completely like the worst part of my day, but doing this on again, off again scenario was sort of working for me for the time being. So I just kept doing that for, for I think like a year or so. I don't know. It was a long, it was a long amount of time. During this time I was working with Ontario Freestyle. I mean, I was assigned a sports psychologist to work with me, to help me further my coaching skills. And this was really cool because it was funded by the sports center and was an an amazing professional development opportunity. In the end, I was able to learn so much from this person. His name's Dr. Kelly Dell, and I'm 100% going to bring him on the show, hopefully soon, to expand on what I'm about to talk about, to expand on what I learned from him, because he's a genius, and his work completely changed my life. It changed the way I approached coaching, and ultimately the way I approached myself, my body. It's so crazy how one person, how one awesome person can change the course of your life. And Kelly is definitely one of those people for me. So we worked together for about two years, maybe. I'm not sure. I'll ask him. But anyways, within that time, what I learned and what I implemented into my coaching practices was feel was teaching the skill of feel. It's not about thinking or seeing necessarily. It's about feeling. 
Now, it started by developing my coaching skills as it related to, you know, a very technical sport. So on the technical side, I realized that most of the athletes I was developing actually had no idea what they were doing. (laughs) For example, I would ask them if their arms were straight up over their heads, like if they were lifting their hands, their arms straight, were their elbows locked, were their hands and arms straight up in the air? And they would say yes. But then I'd show them on a video or take a photo and they would see that their arms were actually bent and they would be like, oh. And so it was my job to try to get them to do a specific motion and feel it in the correct way. So body awareness or feel is like a skill that can be developed. And that's what I worked on with Kelly for the first little while. And we worked on the dialogue of coaching this skill and how to effectively get someone to focus on their body instead of what they're thinking. It, it can be a challenge. It, it was very cool. It was a very cool learning experience for me. Like even just standing there. So, so when you're just standing, I mean, if you're standing right now, cool. If you're sitting, cool, whatever, don't worry about it. But if you're actually standing right now, can you feel the bottom of your feet? Is that something that you've ever focused on? Or do you like, do you ever focus on that when you're standing or do you just stand? (laughs) You know, what, what's the surface that you're standing on? What does it feel like? Is it carpet? Is it warm? Is it cold? Where's your weight? Can you shift your weight forward? What about backwards? And while you're doing this, what are you doing with your body to do this? Like, what does that weight feel like on the bottom of your feet? And if I asked you to start walking, what does that feel like on the bottom of your feet? You know, those are the types of conversations we would have all the time. And how how does the body feel while performing basic movements? And then... Can that affect the overall performance of a person when they combine those movements into a very complex technical skill? The results, the results were amazing. And my team started to excel and started to move up, make the national team with just these little tiny feel strategies. It was awesome. But then, you know, once I started to get good at this, we we started to focus on the emotional side of movement. (laughs) And and this is where all the aha moments started happening for me. So earlier, when I asked you guys to think about your definition of fitness, I slipped in this little question about what kind of feelings or emotions do you get from the subject? That's because fitness makes us feel different feelings. And most people have no idea how they actually want to feel. And I say this with a grain of salt. And I also say this from personal experience because the feelings I had around fitness for so many years were not great Like I hated it, like I mentioned earlier. (laughs) And that's where Kelly's expertise came in was to figure out a way to get you to feel the way you want to feel. Not the way, you know, your trainer feels about movement or your friends feel about movement or even your spouse or partner. It's about how you want to feel. Now, again, I cannot wait for him to come on here and expand on the subject because it's so fascinating to me. And so... When we started doing the work on this emotional level, because, you know, professional athletes want to feel a certain way too, and there are a lot of emotions daily that come out while training, this is, this is when fitness really started to change for me. So if you haven't figured it out yet, this is the big secret that I want to start to expand on. Make 
fitness about feel, do movement, workouts, exercises that make you feel the way you want to feel. It's actually not rocket science, but we all get influenced by what we think we should be doing to be fit and maybe get stuck doing things that we hate doing. So how sustainable is a workout regime that we hate? Like probably not that long. And if we really don't like doing something, but we do it anyways, then, you know, feelings of resentment start to happen. I mean, that happens in all areas of life. (laughs) But you'll start to associate fitness with negativity. um, Or I could never do that. Or I can't do that. We procrastinate on moving and then we eventually stop. And there are literally hundreds of ways to move, of ways to work out, like exercise your body. But what is the right one for you? It's like a really interesting question. Now, over the years, Kelly has created a brilliant formula to find your feel. And along with his research and years of experience with it and his personality, he's seen some amazing success. For me, the movement that I love the most is running. And when Dr. Kelly Dell comes on the show, I'll, I'll tell you guys the story of how I figured that out because it's very cool. But running makes me feel amazing. I also love skiing and stand up paddleboarding and trail running and yoga. And that's why I do those things. I mean, if I didn't love doing them, then I wouldn't do it. It's like one plus one equals two kind of like logic. I also want to add that I, I like to try different things all the time and expose myself to different forms of exercise because what if those things make me feel awesome too? then I'll add them into the bank. I mean, I actually love when my friends talk to me about a new class or a new workout or an adventure that they've gone on that they've become obsessed with. It's exciting because I love when people are inspired to move and they make time to do good things for their bodies all while feeling amazing about it. Like, doesn't that seem like a better alternative than grinding yourself into the ground doing something that you dislike because someone told you that's how you need to be fit? Some of those same friends also ask me, how the hell do you run 30 kilometers? I could never do that. You're crazy. But I know that I'm not crazy. It's just something that I love doing and they don't love. Running is not for everybody, but it is the movement that I feel the best. Like this feeling is what motivates me. Okay. Now, you might be wondering why I'm going to the gym and lifting weights when it's something that I don't love doing. And trust me, (laughs) I ask myself the same question. (laughs) But the answer is that I want to feel fast AF (laughs) when I'm running. I want to be able to run long distances and feel recovered quickly. I want to feel stronger in my stride. I want to feel powerful. I want to take my running skills to a higher level. And that's why I'm working with a run coach who is busting my ass. (laughs) So even though I'm not a huge fan of being in the gym per se, I'm doing this to gain in an area that I love. And for the record, I was also cautious about this. Like I went into this whole situation with some caution. I really made sure that Matt was a good fit for me. And we discuss my program all the time and make adjustments. And I make sure that my emotional needs around this program are being met or else I wouldn't go. And I I believe that to have long-term discipline with anything, you need to like 
doing it in one way or another. It's, it's so easy for me to be disciplined with running because I love it. And when put into such simple terms, I guess, it's, it's very easy to understand, you know, like, however, he does let me complain about it sometimes. And he lets me joke about how I love doing sumo deadlifts, (laughs) not. (laughs) And going back to health, the same rules apply. There are so many ways to fill the spaces between your movement with healthy choices. Like how you fuel your body, how you fuel your mind, what types of things uplift your soul. This, you know, relates to your job, to your diet, to your relationships, your stress levels, your routines, your thoughts, etc., etc., etc. Like the list goes on. To be the best version of yourself, you want to enjoy all these areas of your life and love what you do. There needs to be some sort of pleasure in your routines in order for you to continue to do them, right? Whether healthy or unhealthy, there's pleasure there. As for food, like I said earlier, I'll, I'll do a podcast on finding my food fit. <laughs> but it's, start, it's starting to take a look at what you're eating, why you're eating it, how it makes you feel physically and emotionally. Is that the way you want to feel long term? <laughs> This is, this is so very interesting to think about. And then, and then put it into practice. It's about doing the work and feeling great in your body. Now, I did mention this earlier, but my goal for this podcast, this message today, was maybe to get you thinking about fitness or health and fitness in a different way. And so I want to conclude this with one little cute story. It's, it's also important to point out that you don't have to be embarrassed or shy about the things you love. For example, my stepdad, Gary, (laughs) used to love bouncing on this mini trampoline. Okay, so (laughs) everyone would make fun of him. They would laugh at him, including myself, but he loved it. So he would just bounce away watching TV and get in an awesome workout, and he didn't care what anyone else thought. He just did it because of the way it made him feel. And that is what I call living your best life. So again, my biggest tip in fitness is find movement that you love doing. Find movement that makes you happy, that you enjoy, that gives you pleasure or even pain and pleasure (laughs) like my choices. (laughs) Look at exercise, health, fitness from an enjoyable angle. Get started, you know, today by moving the way you want to move. Like, who cares how you're sweating it out? As long as it feels good, you'll keep doing it. Feeling good inside your body. Feeling inspired to move. This is what I call finding your fit. We all make time for things we love, right? So making healthy decisions, finding exercises or movements that you enjoy, it will become easier. You'll keep finding time for it. It's also confidence building, And it's part of the process of self-love. So I want to leave you with one final thought here. And that is, you shouldn't be working out and trying to get fit because you hate your body. You should be doing it because you love it. It took me a long time to figure that one out. Like all the years from being fit to fat to fit. But the perspective changed my life. It like changed my priorities and now it's easy to make good decisions to live my best life. So that's all for today. 
Stay tuned for future episodes regarding finding your fit, health, movement, and all the spaces in between. I really appreciate you guys listening today. And if you have not done so yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also DM me on Instagram or leave a comment on my website, alisaunfiltered.com. Have a lovely day, everyone. Until next time.